Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, welcome back to the next episode of the Keto Naturopath. This is Dr. Carl Goldcam. Today, I wanted to get back to saturated fats. You know, um, when I began this journey, it was merely about healing myself. So I had read uh, books about uh, ketosis. This is before all the keto conferences. So I, I was deathly ill 2000, fall of 2012 into 2013. And all that, that's posted elsewhere. There's videos and I've done podcasts on it. And we've talked about saturated fats before, but you know, it keeps on coming up again and again. We even had a product, MCT oils, or actually caprylic acid triglyceride, which is C8. It's the half of um, what is commonly referred to as MCTs. MCT oils are, are saturated fats and they technically are six carbon, eight carbon, 10 carbons, and 12 carbons, but primarily the most effective in terms of, terms of actually the body using to create ketones for itself is caprylic acid, triglyceride. And so triglyceride means tri, glycer is fat, so it has three fats. So it's basically, think of the letter E and it's attached three little screw-ons for the individual fatty acid, the individual fatty acid is called caprylic acid, and that's the fat. So you put three together, you have a caprylic acid triglyceride. And uh, the body mobilizes fats pretty much as a triglyceride and then breaks it up to a single fatty acid. That's just general background. But it's been vilified since the 50s, since Ansel Keys, of course, and this is kind of an old story, but it is so impregnated into our culture, our our culture being the West, you know, the most commercialized. Where Where is the epicenter of commercialized food? I think primarily that's the United States. So in this sense, it's the epicenter of the worst of processed foods is the United States. Okay, then. But... Um, the reason I want to talk about this is because it keeps on coming up every time I go back to touch it. I mean, for a couple of years, we were, we had this product, which I think is great. We just, we scarfed the last, you know, hundred bottles for ourselves and then gradually using it for ourselves. The reason we got out of selling it is because I learned, uh, I was naive. We were naive in getting into sales. Sales is that anybody can lie about anything. As long as it's not killing you, you can say what it is and 
people pretty much decide on price. They don't decide on quality. Yeah, maybe there's a few people, but the market size of people that care about environmental concerns and care about the quality of their product is really pretty small. And it's the hyper-affluent, those who have the ability to choose those, have, be, have discretion among those variables. All right, enough said. So, But I have plenty of experience in doing that and understanding you know, suppliers in the world, oil, and how you get this, and so on and so forth. But where I want to go to this today is about MCT oils again. I mean, and so I, I, perhaps a better title could be the history of MCT oils. That's not very dramatic, is it? But it started as an alternative to um, the ketogenic diet for pediatric epilepsy pretty much in the early 60s. So in the early 60s, where it's now, what, 40 years after the ketogenic diet has been started, and it's problematic. You know, it's really high fat and low carb, and having these kids to eat this way in, in a public school system was just kind of terribly discriminating. It was hard for kids to sort of bear the brunt, as as you might re- remember when you were a little kid, to be anything different, you know, a different color sock or a different kind of shoe or whatever else. You were sort of ostracized, so it was it was hard. So it was a way of making that diet easier by having a fat that you could use. It is really pretty ketogenic, and so on. So that's where that came into. But in the '60s, that's that's the track I had talked about before, way back. I talked about some of the early people using what they call the MCT diet, which was a variation of the ketogenic diet. Okay. But I want to go back on the track of MCT oils in regards to people using it or the thought of using it as a counterbalance to treat diabetics back in the 60s and 70s. That was a very novel, almost esoteric diet. You could say, well, the ketogenic diet was pretty esoteric. It was and it wasn't. Um, but to use MCT oils, and so the big controversy then was, well, if you're having something that puts you in ketosis, what they call it, hyperketonuria, meaning um, emia, uh, that's in your blood as opposed to your urine, it actually does both when you think about it. Uh, it was, oh my gosh, you're, you're, you know, diabetics have this risk of ketoacidosis, so they make ketones at a very Anyway, when they're in a very extreme, dangerous stage, really before they die, a few years before they die or have amputations or, you know, all the other um, terrible sequelae of having a diabetes. No, so this, so it was hard to get good press around using MCT oils for diabetes, but nonetheless, the thought was there and the thought was there kind of repetitively. Started in the 60s and into the 70s and a little more. So finally, in regards to mental decline, you know, mild cognitive impairment leading to cognitive impairment, leading to dementia, leading to Alzheimer's, which is a subset, it's the majority of, but it's a subset of all dementia out there. Okay, so it was starting to realize that, wait a minute, uh, dementia, cognitive decline, um, Alzheimer's was neurons that were obviously performing poorly, and it wasn't just the the tau proteins and so on. And these were, neuro, they were, the metabolism of the neurons were impaired. The metabolisms of the neurons were impaired, so they called it neuronal, uh, reduced neuronal metabolism. And once you started opening that up, for all the other neurological, cerebral head, think head neurons, 
uh, nerves in the head that were compromised metabolically, that opened it up to not only uh, all of dementia, which is Alzheimer's, Parkins, uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, um, Parkinson's, Huntington's, Korea, um, ALS, MS, um, and a number of other. It's a long list of all these other. It's it's a big, big, big collection of similarly diagnosed or similarly problematic conditions. So it no longer was, oh, you had dementia and cognitive decline, and that was the only conversation you had. You could insert any of the others. And let me give you a... Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that the associated conditions that have to do with neurons that have a metabolic problem, and when I say metabolic problem, you can go right to the fact that it's a minor, mitochondrial compromise. So this is now a conversation that started in the 60s to 70s, and we're going to end up in the 80s for a second and then jump to 2000, and it's very fascinating. But here's the larger picture here. It's not just with reduced cognitive function. Um, associate an age associated memory impairment that's what most people are worried about gosh i want to keep my cognition i don't want to lose my mind as i get older okay understood alzheimer's parkinson's frederick's ataxia uh, glute one deficient epilepsy that's um those are people kids people that cannot take in glucose because they have a receptor problem leave it at that leprechaunism uh, the rapson uh, mendenhall syndrome coronary arterial bypass graft dementia, that's dementia that comes after heart uh, heart operation, uh, anesthesia-induced memory loss, Huntington's disease, Huntington's Korea disease, and many others. So with those conditions, what do they all have to do? They, they all have to do with each other is that they can't get enough glucose. And you go, wait a minute, I thought this problem, and I keep on saying this podcast after podcast, wait a minute, I thought the problem was we had too much glucose because we're eating too much refined processed food carbohydrates. We are. And your body over the day, the, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, the decades of you doing this to yourself, unbeknownst to the consequences, okay? Let you off the hook on that one, that your body has tried to interfere by upping the insulin, which will lower the glucose. They're saying, yes, the glucose is too high. We're going to try to get it back to lower rates by shutting some of these receptors down. And so therefore have fewer openings to get glucose into the nerve cells, into the mitochondria in essence, okay? To be burned through the Krebs cycle, et cetera, et cetera. So that happens. And so now you have a whole set of conditions, a whole set of illnesses, a whole set of diseases that are based all around the same principle. So it's not just cognitive impairment. It's not just Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, et cetera, et cetera. It's all these other ones that have this in common. So therefore, if you find something that helps one, more than likely you will find it will be applicable to so many other things. So I just set the stage for something that I had learned about. I was listening to a, um, re-listening to a, a podcast that I had uh, from a conference I went to back in 2015 or 16, can't remember right now. And it was Dr. Mary Newport who uh, brought MCT oils to her husband, who was the accountant in her 50s, who was having early onset um, dementia and Alzheimer's, and how she started using uh, MCT oil, simply MCT oil, and later did some, through Dr. Veach, some ketone esters. But she was doing better and better, and you can see his one of the 
one of the assessments for cognition is drawing a clock and how his clocks got precisely better. And it was wonderful. Then he went on uh, an Alzheimer's drug intervention um, trial and they had to stop the trial because they found out the drug was actually hurting people and he then relapsed and eventually did die of Alzheimer's. But it was an amazing story and it was about MCT oil. Okay, so that was 2015, 2016 that I had heard of that. And that was just sort of the beginning of the flourishing of, oh, look what all these wonderful things that MCT oil can do. Most people were thinking of, of coconut oil, which has MCT in it. A good portion of it is MCT oil. However, now back to the 80s. Remember, don't you, 60s, 70s, and 80s? Well, back in the 80s, there was a there was some research being done. I'll leave it at that. It's not really anything I need to reference being done and saying, whoa, we're starting to see diabetes as being a, a, a metabolic compromise as that is a reduced metabolic, uh, uh, reduced metabolic activity, impaired activity of their mitochondria in essence. So that's was sort of just out there. This is 1984 specifically. And um, so let me read you just briefly um, the abstract from a study in 1984, and it's titled Alzheimer's Disease, A Metabolic Systems Degeneration, question mark. And so what it talks about is like Alzheimer's disease can be considered a late onset system degeneration, right? The, you're losing your mind, characteristically involving certain populations of cholinergic neurons. In other words, you can't produce acetylcholine and other cholinergic neurons are not just about acetylcholine, but in the brain, they primarily are. But eventually involving other cells as well, decreases in cerebral metabolic rate occur in and may reflect not only de decreased neuronal activity, but also deficiencies in metabolic enzymes. Abnormalities reported, let's see, uh, Alzheimer's tissue suggests that at a molecular level, it is a systemic disease whose biochemical aspects can usefully be studied and is similar to diabetes. I just paraphrased that, by the way. And so this was the beginning of looking of a link that had to do with dementia, Alzheimer's, cognitive impairment as being something similar to diabetes, but it was not overt. So when people went in for diabetes, they were looked at their blood sugar. They weren't even taking insulin at the time, right? So the Crafts test or the glucose tolerance test of taking fasting insulin with fasting glucose after a bolus of, uh, before and after a bolus of, of glucose hadn't even been done in dumb current thinking. Kraft, Dr. Kraft was living there, uh, living at this time, and he was doing his work, but that was not made public at this time yet. So people weren't thinking that. Weren't even doing insulin, fasting insulin. That's how old and archaic and unthinking they were. But anyways, they were just looking at blood sugar. You're either, are you in the club or you're not in the club? You're diabetic or you're not in the, Are you pre-diabetic? Hemoglobin A1C, of course, and the other things. So at the same time, they were looking at people with cognitive impairment, not just Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's and dementia and cognitive impairment, they were just doing, so PET scans were just starting to come out in the 80s, by the way. So that was looking at glucose uptake at what part of the brain um, for anything, for a variety of conditions, but they were looking at what part of the brains were not able to take up glucose, right? This is what we're talking about right now. They just looked at 
people with brain problems in that context and they looked at people with blood sugar problems in that context. They never put the two together, but it's those two worlds are gradually starting to come together. So there was a guy named, oh, uh, I always want to call him, uh, we'll call him Dr. Henderson. Um, I forgot his first name, but he's at the University of Colorado. And he was focusing on this. He was kind of a biochemist and um, he was a academic researcher in uh, metabolic research at that point. And he was now starting to put together the MCT oil studies of the 60s and 70s, the understanding that uh, Alzheimer's and dementia were actually about a glucose uptake problem. Glucose uptake problems were like diabetes in the sense they had too much glucose. And that's so he started putting these two together. And 2000, he started making, taking out patents on a product around MCT oil, very straightforward, MCT oil, a patent. And he would put something else like carnitine in it too, but it was 99.9% .9 MCT oil. And he then made uh, MCT oil for each of those conditions. So each of those conditions was in essence, a separate patent. So he found an audience is like, oh my gosh, this is going to work for all of them, you know? And it, it was just amazing of the effectiveness of it. And he would tweak it a little bit because you had to make it. And he, he was making it into medical food. So it wasn't just to put it on the health food shelf into a medical food. He was making it into something patentable so he could make money on it. Nothing wrong with any of that, but he took a different path. And the reason I say that, you know, this was famously popular in his medical foods around 2000, this taking place. And he was in his corner of the world doing this. He's now gone on to uh, work with a number of companies and have his own companies because he was successful. And now this, that was 2000. Uh, he came out with his first patent. And uh, now 20 years later, more or less, he's 30, 30 patents down the way, basically still all revolving around a cognitive decline, which is which is are all those things we talked about, the dementia, the Alzheimer's, the Parkinson's, the Frederick ataxia, et cetera, et cetera. All of these primarily around making ketones in the body to help with the metabolic compromise of all those nerve cells. Boom, he's been doing that for 20 years. So I had first heard about MCT oil and 2015 at the, or 2016 in there someplace, can't remember exactly. And we came out with a product sh shortly after because I thought, wow, this, this is, has to be amazing. He was there 15 years before. And of course, he looks back to those who are thinking about MCT oil in the 60s and 70s, but he was the one who jumped on it and started doing honest research on the effectiveness of MCT oil, specifically C8 and C10, and starting to differentiate this. You might remember if you're listening to, been listening to me for a while, back when I interviewed Dr. Kunain, I interviewed him because he had really done some interesting studies on uh, MCT oil, but specifically he also split the C8 and the C10, and he compared the C8 and the C10 in terms of their ketogenic abilities and what they did and how long they took to make ketones. And, and he really documented how quickly it was C8 was the dominant driver to making ketones in the body. Interesting. 15 years, 15 years later, he came out, you know, so when he was going back and he was referring to, uh, Dr. Henderson at the university of Colorado. So this has been percolating forward. Of course, now there's a lot of, uh, MCT oil products that sort of burst, burst forth on this, on the scene. So 
what I'm trying to say is that sometimes you get kind of bored, if you will. You get kind of habituated. You get kind of inured. In other words, kind of numb to the novelty and the effectiveness of certain things. And specifically, I'm talking about MCT oil, C8, C10, uh, saturated fats in general, and how remarkable they are. You know, there's so much pressure you get tired of listening to, and that's part of what we are all in in this world today. It's not so much we can go to a place and have everything absolutely you know, devoid of marketing and false claims and and lying by omission. It's all a mess. And so we're really looking for the voice that's going to tell us the truth. And I hope I'm that for you anyways. But um, if we're talking about in terms of research, because we know when people do their research, they're going to leave off stuff. You know, they're going to either leave it out of the abstract or whatnot. And because they have to get paid for their work. And basically research comes from something that will get a return on their money. And so that usually means it has to be behind a product. And that's just how the world works. It's neither right or wrong, but if you have a patentable product, you can do research about that stuff and then say, it's because of my product and tell them how you tweaked it a little bit for your patent. Okay, all that's fair and good and we got some basic information. So that's why, for instance, uh, Dr. Kunane, you know, he'll go speak to the companies that sell MCT oil. And that's why he went to speak at, um, heaven forbid, uh, Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee about their oil, trying to extol how wonderful his oil was. I have an issue on that. But anyway, that's they, they are beholden to commercial enterprise to pay them to do interesting studies that will further all of our knowledge. That's just how the world works. So saturated fats, we have become kind of habituated. Either you've been carnivore or keto and you go, yeah, saturated fats are good. But you kind of have that voice in the back of your mind like, I'm not quite sure how good it is. Should I stay away from it? And you tend to sort of slide back to the dominant way of thinking because your all friends have been howling at you for now nearly a decade or so, right? Five or six or how long you've been involved in this particular way of thinking. Um, despite the fact that we've disproven Ansel Keys, and despite the fact that he got caught posthumously of having to fake the data that um, Dr. Ramson uncovered in 2013 and 2016 of the Minnesota Heart Study and the and the Sydney Diet Heart Hypothesis Study. So it's been remarkable to turn that around, but still part of us goes, well, I'm not quite sure how good the MCT oil is. It, and now, in after reading, I went back to these patents <clears throat> to um, to Dr. Henderson's um, work and went through patent after patent. And the patents are a great place, so are studies, to get you know real basic application because they have to get into it. You know, he went into looking for SNPs as well. What are the SNPs that are, you know, a genotyping? So, of course, you'd look at the uh, APOE44, you'd look at the presenilin and the others that are. And so you try to select out a particular audience. And also you try to put a patent on the process that you did to to differentiate, to find these particular SNPs, right? And you go, And that's a whole different kind of technical stuff. But this is what you're trying to own that particular uh, area of knowledge. And it's and, and that's how it goes. So, um, but sticking to the point, it's all about producing ketones, all about producing, and the three ketones or ketone bodies are beta-hydroxybutyrate, acetoacetate, and acetone, the same stuff you put on your fingernails if you're women to take off your fingernail polish and other paint removers. Yeah, that's a ketone. And we do make that. 
And it's the measuring of ketones, by the way, that the breathalyzers made. So your the ketone that are made in your blood you kind of like percolate up and get get released to the outside via your breath. So as you exhale, that's how you can measure it. And it's a pretty quick turnaround. So that's where they come from. And the finger pricks are measuring beta-hydroxybutyrate. And I don't think anybody really measures uh, acetoacetate. But what I want to get to, and I'm going to play, play you a little recording. I'm trying to say that there is a remarkable, a remarkable healing quality to having saturated fats in your diet. So you get saturated fats primarily, and I'm about to say almost nearly only, from animal products. So it's the fat of your steak and so on and so forth. Don't go nuts with it. You know, at some point, we all go crazy. Oh, a little bit is good. And then we go a lot. Well, a little water is good. A lot we drowned, right? Or we suffocate, depending on the same thing. And so how much saturated fats is it that we use? I don't know that answer per se. I mean, and, and nobody really does because we've moved so far away. But those who are carnivore, their fats are primarily, uh, they do get some omega-3 and they get some omega-6, uh, arachidonic acid primarily, and uh, they get some saturated fats. So saturated fats do help us make ketones. And this is the old story. And this gives us the energy to, you know, we make the ketones, especially when we're fasting and so on and so forth, these other things. So that basically the way you get to making ketones, so in thinking about the ketogenic diet is fasting, intermittent fasting, depending on varies per person. Um, certainly taking these exogenous ketones, right? This ketone salts. And then Dr. Veach came out with his ketone esters. But here's what you do not hear. You never hear a side-by-side -side comparison of ketone esters to MCT oil. One is, one is $500 a month, and the other is maybe $20 a month. And let's say they were both free, or they're both exactly the same cost. How effective is one versus the other? How effective is a tablespoon of MCT oil? Put it in mayo, so it's not just oil. And how quickly does that raise your ketones and so on? And do that. That would be great research. But the reason they don't do that and the same thing with the keto salts. They came out of uh, keto sports and so on. We got to know them pretty well back in that early day. It is so unnecessary. It is completely, completely unnecessary to have these products because uh, MCT oil, C8, and then later C10. I mean, there's, in terms of speed, C8 is miles ahead. Doesn't mean it's always better. It just means it's faster. And so if you're measuring these things, you'll find that it's as fast or faster than those other two. But the reason you don't hear about research against that, because there is no patentable, other than what I just told you about Dr. Henderson, there's nothing patentable about the health food store or the grocery food store version of MCT oil. It's just, and most of it does come from coconut oil. Some comes from palm oil, and we hope it's uh, RSPO, which is Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil, approved. Otherwise, you're killing a lot of rainforest. So that's the difference. That's why you don't hear this comparison. That's why there's a lot of marketing behind the keto, the keto, the ketone salts around the really expensive ketone esters. Yes, they are convenient. It is in a powder, and they have those advantages. But you're paying for those advantages. So if you don't need them, then don't have them. Um, it, so it's entirely up to you. So we, you know, we have uh, MCT oil, specifically C8 in our mayo. It's heavy on the C8. We also have some olive oil in there. We put some collagen in there. We put some, you know, of course, egg yolks and how you make mayo and so on. 
Um, it is a big part of our lives. It's probably a much bigger part of my life than it is Judy. I tend to go, I tend to go far, much farther in all these things than she does. Um, and that's fine. I have my experiments and she has her experiments. She's much more conservative in this regard. But um, I can't say enough. We're now, this is a week where we were wearing um, a CGM, a Freestyle Libra. And I find, you know, I go down, uh, if I just want a snack, I'll take out a little mayo and I'll put in some collagen. I used to have some, uh, some amino acids and I would put that in and whip it up into the mayo and add some MCT oil. So it's MCT rich with some protein. And that keeps me going for, you know, hours. I, I just don't get hungry. It's almost like there's a danger. It's sort of like just extinguish my appetite. So you have control over that. It's, it's, we are the farthest thing from processed foods. You know, we're now expanding some gardens in terms of spices and so on, but uh, we don't eat much in the way of vegetables. I don't think really anything other than our spices, like parsley and dill and what do we got? Basil, of course, and so on and so forth. The list is long. But I wanted you to hear this particular clip. This is Dr. David Diamond. Uh, he's a PhD from the University of South Florida. I've seen him present at least three times. Happened to be, he was at those early conferences as well. Really neat guy. I appreciate him a lot. Just a great spirit and uh, one of the most honest people and hardworking people that I know of on earth. And I'm sure there's plenty of others, but I don't know all the others. Here we go. Listen to him. Here we go. This is something that's relevant to everyone. And the idea is that when we increase our blood sugar, it wreaks havoc actually with our blood lipids. And so it's not eating fat doesn't cause us to get fat or have a high cholesterol. It really is the consumption of carbohydrates. We have been told that in particular animal fat is unhealthy, saturated fat, also tropical oils. And this is something I've researched very heavily. And the, I call it the demonization of saturated fat. And it's just simply wrong. And so what I emphasize to my colleagues, especially those that prescribe high-fat diet for their patients, particularly, I hear people all the time saying, uh, my child has epilepsy, but I'm concerned that if I give him a high-fat diet, that we'll be trading off epilepsy for heart disease. And I lecture to physicians. I lecture to the public and demonstrate for them that there is no reason to fear the saturated animal fat, that it's that combination of fat and sugar. That's what's really unhealthy. And I show the science behind the reason why we should not fear consumption of saturated fat. In my lecture, I'm going to cover the faulty science that actually began in the 1950s. It started with someone named Ansel Keys, who just believed that consuming fat would increase your cholesterol, which would cause you to have heart disease. There was never any science to support that idea. And then I'm actually going to talk about how the sugar industry paid off scientists, Harvard scientists, to mislead people, to demonize saturated fat. And then I'll talk about how the government got into it. Did you hear that about the Harvard scientists? Brought that up a number of times. It's really pathetic. It's unfortunate. And that would be uh, Walter Willits of the Chan School of Public Health at Harvard. As well. And the government came up with guidelines that were completely not based on, on science. So I'm going to talk about the different levels of misinformation that began in the 1950s and frankly are still continuing today. I get contacted all the time by people who are worried about their cholesterol. So they're being pushed into taking medication to lower their cholesterol. They're concerned about their weight and a doctor tells them to go on a low-fat diet. 
There is so much misinformation, and I'm going to specifically talk about the American Heart Association, which has provided misinformation now for 60 years. And people don't understand how much the American Heart Association is influenced by the drug and the food companies, and how basically they are presenting information which is supported by industry. So I tell people that we've got to actually look at the real research, which demonstrates that the real demon on your plate is the sugar, is the bread, the potatoes. Any food that raises your blood sugar ultimately will cause harm. And so we need to stop fearing the fat on our plate, and specifically either animal fat or tropical oils, and welcome those foods as being beneficial and avoid the foods that will raise our blood sugar. Amen to that, eh? Boy, um, that's uh, that's something. You know, it's really it's really nice to to see him present. And by the way, I'll put a link to this in the description. But yeah, that's the kernel of it. There's just a lot of misrepresentation, and it's just not out of mistakes. It is an agenda by big industries. And I don't want you to get cynical because you are listening to this to come up with basic answers to help your own health. And so I want you to not fear saturated fats. I want you to understand there's a small miracle in MCT oil that's been now well-researched over starting in the 60s, I told you, and uh, now in, into medical foods, that's now patentable products. So there you go. I hope that is something that uh, allows you to rethink how you're gonna use fat fat specifically in terms of saturated fat. Till next time. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcam again for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough and many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H.com. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you cho choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of a, just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions and uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.